Good morning. It's great to see you in worship today. This month, we're going to entertain this word, stuck. You ever been there? You ever looked around at your life and thought, maybe it was a circumstance and you realized, I'm just stuck. Or maybe it was a phase of your life when you thought, man, I am, I'm just stuck. I look around and that's the first word that comes to my mind. That's where I'm at. I can identify with the, the bumper video, especially uh, I'm the kind of guy who likes to uh, keep driving. Um, I like to figure out how many miles are still left in the, in the tank. And uh, for me, it's always one more exit, right? Anybody else like that, like me? And problem is, though, man, you get to, uh, get to a point where you run that just one time too long. And you know that awful feeling when you're driving along and all of a sudden it starts to shake a little bit. You realize, oh, no. And then you are, you're stuck, right? I mean, um, it's just the way it is. It, you know, I hear phrases or we talk about things, especially like being stuck in a job. I hear people talking about that. I'm stuck in my job. It's not really what I wanted to do. It's not what I love to do, but it's what I do. Or maybe even stuck in a relationship. Um, honestly, I've, I've spent a, a lot of time with people who feel that way. They're just stuck. Maybe you're stuck in a location and uh, you just wish you lived somewhere else. Um, I kid you not, I'm preparing for this series, thinking about it, and I pull up between family video and, and the gas station to where I'm at, headed down Scott Street, right? And right in front of me is a car. And I, I'm like, and I look, and I look again. I had to take a picture of it because literally what I'm stuck in Ohio. Somebody just feels like they're stuck in Ohio. Like I would rather be living somewhere else. I'd rather be somewhere else than Ohio. I don't know why. I, I enjoy living here, but for that person, they are so stuck that they just put it on the back of their car for everybody to know, I'm stuck here. Stuck, stuck, stuck. You know, we talk about being stuck in a rut. But being stuck, it, it does something to you. I remember visiting the St. Louis Children's Museum. If you're driving through St. Louis and you have kids and you have time, it's a great place to go best children's museum I've ever been to, a lot of stuff. But one of the things about the children's museum is they have built these, uh, these tunnels that you can crawl through, like on these bars you can hold on to. and you, It's amazing. I, I'll bet you the tunnel system is almost as big as this room. Now, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it's, it's massive. You start to go through there, and you can go different directions. You can go up high. You can go down low. There's a tree you come across. It's just amazing. And um, our kids loved it. And Colby was about that age where he wanted to do that, but um, he wasn't quite old enough like, okay, just go, because I didn't know where he'd end up, you know, kind of one of those on that ages. So I thought, I saw a few other adults doing it, so I'm like, I'll just go with Colby. And it started out great, and it was fun. But it was built for children, <laughs> not for a 200-pound man. And I started going around the corner, and I realized, oh, no. I've went in too far. 
but coming back out is an issue also. And I remember sitting there thinking, the emotions of, of being stuck, thinking, what am I going to do? And it literally felt like it was already really tight, but it felt like it was closing in around me more and more and more, right? Some of you are claustrophobic, and it, it was one of those, I got claustrophobic because I realized there was no easy way out of this. And uh, somehow I got out. It wasn't pretty, but I did. And uh, I've never went back to that. And Colby's old enough now, but being stuck. I think that for whatever reason, human nature so often um, gets us to a place like that in our lives. I, I know it's because fallen nature, sinful nature, but I just think how life goes sometimes, it can be easy for us to gravitate toward a rut, to gravitate toward something, and just kind of look around our lives and say, you know what? I just kind of feel like I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. And so I want to spend a, a month talking about this just because I feel like the scriptures have uh, some great words for us, life-giving words for us when we encounter those scenarios in our lives or when we can just look at our life and say, I'm just stuck. Uh, you know, I think that exhibit A in Scripture for a people being stuck is who Jesus is talking to in John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse 31 reads like this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said these words, If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free is unstuck. Free is not being in a position where you categorize your life as stuck, right? Free. Jesus is promising a life that is free, opposite of stuck. And he's, but then he answered the other Jewish people there, or they answered him when he said this, um, they said this, we are Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone. We've never been not free, which I think was amazing. We're talking about a people that are under Roman rule. They could not do anything on their own, right? They're slaves. You start to look back through their last hundred years. We, talk, we look back over our 200 and whatever, 40 years now, right, somewhere around there. We talk about, when they look back over their 240 years or 340 years or 440 years, guess what? It was, we were under these people's rule. We were slaves to these people. We are slaves. They are so delusional. They are stuck. And they don't even think they're stuck. And he's saying, We've never been slaves. How can you say that we should be set free? And Jesus is saying, listen, not only have you not only been slaves to everyone, but the reason why is because you have gotten stuck in your religion and your religion has not set you free from the biggest thing and that's sin. You're slaves to sin. He says, but in a slave, it has no permanent place in the family. A son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know where you're from. <laughs> I'm the one that set the whole thing up. I know you're Abraham's descendants. Yet look at you now. You're looking to kill me because you have no room 
for my word. In other words, I mean, this is the epitome of being stuck. Thinking you're free when you're slaves, being stuck in your religion to the point that when the person that comes along that can help you is there offering to help you, I don't need you. In fact, you're, you're interrupting my life. I'm going to do something with you. I mean, this is the epitome of stuck. You want to know what it looks like to be stuck? Look at the Jewish people that Jesus is trying to communicate his love and his truth and his word to. You know, um, I think there's a few things I, I want to visit this, this month that I feel like are, are catch points for us, places that um, I'm sure that if we were able to share today, all of us, you would say, you know what, I do, I do get stuck here. And, and, and this is why, and this is where I get stuck. And, and so today, I, I want to just visit the first one where I think we get stuck a lot. And that's this idea of being stuck in my past. Being stuck in my past. Um, you know, I feel like that if we were able to just share where our thoughts have went, where our mental energy has been used, what we think about when we're able to just be alone or have some time to think, or when you're driving down the road, right, music's playing, but you're not really, the music's playing, but you're thinking about something. I would say that there's, there, there are some of us here that would say most of the time when that happens, our mind is occupied, or I would say preoccupied, with what has already happened, our past. And I think, and I'm gonna share in a minute, the scriptures seem to show us that that can be a very easy thing to do. And often, you look around and you find yourself realizing, I think more about the past than I do right now, and definitely my future. And I think it can be easy for us to come to a point where we, we could say, yeah, I'm a little bit stuck in my past. Some, it could be anything. It could be success, right? You ever go somewhere, you ever, like, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a sports guy. You ever go somewhere where they literally, everything is about their past? Well, back in 1983, we won the state championship. And that's all they talk about is 1983, right? And you can tell. You walk in and it's like past, stuck. You know what I mean? We can get stuck in the past success. We definitely can get stuck in our past failures, abuse, pain, all those things. Until they become something that, uh, that just drives our life. I love this statement. I know it's a little bit out of order there. Uh, Ernie, but I love this statement. Um, and I gotta remember it. <laughs> if you insist 
If you insist on driving while looking in the rear view mirror, what's going to happen? You're going to crash, right? If you insist on driving while looking in the rear view mirror, you're going to crash. And I would tell you that if you and I live our lives looking in the rear view mirror of our lives, we're not going to do well. It is like driving, looking behind you. Where you're at right now is going to be affected, and definitely where you need to go, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the turn. You're going to miss the direction. You're going to miss everything. If we spend life looking in the rearview mirror, your life is going to crash. It's going to crash. You know, the scriptures understand this. It's amazing how um, they realize the Lord obviously realizes how we are and that this can happen. Listen to these words, Isaiah chapter 43. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Those are key words. That key, for me, the whole word is dwell. See, I am doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? He's talking to people whose past is completely littered with successes, great successes, and awful failures. And in fact, right there, they are in Isaiah, he's speaking to people who are in the middle of awful failure. And he's saying, listen, don't dwell on it. Forget about it. Wish I could say that like a good Italian. Forget about it like a mobster. Forget about it. Forget about it. Now the scriptures do tell us to remember, right? They tell us to remember. Remember how God did this. Remember how God did that. Children of Israel were always called to remember. But they were never called to dwell. They're called to remember because it reminds them that God can, he has, he will, but remembering is different than living there, dwelling. I guess they could have just lived their whole days thinking about the Red Sea. Red Sea, Red Sea. That doesn't change today. It's simply remembering what he can do, but that is so that he can do something else for today. And so listen to the words as he's telling them, hey, forget about the things. Do not dwell on the past. Paul understood this when he's looking at his own life, figuring out where does he need to go? What does he need to do? Listen to this. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have arrived, is what he's saying. I mean, you think I'm the Apostle Paul, you think, and I am the Apostle Paul, you think I am like it, I, there's nothing better, there's, you, you know, he's saying, listen, I get it, I need more in my life, I need Jesus more, I need direction more, I, I'm not anywhere close to having arrived. And he said, and I understand that this is what I need to do, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. What are the scriptures trying to tell us? One thing that it calls us to is not to be stuck in your past. This word forgetting, it's a cool word, forgetting what is ahead, or I mean not forgetting what is ahead, forgetting what is behind, forgetting the past. It's, it literally means this, these phrases. Forgetting is to willfully neglect. 
to intentionally leave behind, to disregard on purpose. You see, Paul understood that the way we're created, we don't, we don't just, we're not able to wipe our memory blank clean like you can do with a computer hard drive. Impossible, right? But he's saying, although I'm never gonna be able to say, I don't even remember what you're talking about. Not gonna be able to do that. He's saying what we do do with the past is we willfully neglect it. We disregard it on purpose. We make a choice, an act of our will to not dwell on it. The memories might come through our mind. They might, but we make a choice to simply move away from it. That's what he's saying. And so I would say to people, maybe I'm talking to you today, and if you were to make an honest assessment of your life, you'd say, you know what? I do spend a lot of time thinking about the past. It, it consumes me. It eats me up. It takes my time. It, 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 my mental energy, it, it just causes me. And I hear what you're saying, Pastor. Paul is saying, listen, forget it. That doesn't mean you won't, it won't be gone from your memory. But he's saying, don't dwell on it. I would say this, the blood of Jesus doesn't give us amnesia, all right? I know I'm talking to people who's passed. Some of you who's passed, you'd say, I don't think you really get how bad it was. And I'm saying you probably aren't gonna forget those awful situations. But what the scriptures are telling us to do is to willfully neglect thinking about it, to purposely disregard it. The act of our will to not entertain it in our minds, to not dwell. That's the key word this morning, is dwell. If you're stuck in your past, scriptures call us to not dwell in our past. But let's dig down a little bit deeper. And I've been thinking about, so why do people get stuck in their past? What is it about their past? And I just want to look at three things today and, and remind you what the Word of God says. Um, before I move on, though, have you ever, uh, ever when, you, when you've been to the circus, and I, I just realized Barnum and Bailey's done, right? Um, just this last year, their last show, we used to go to see Barnum and Bailey, and uh, it's always cool to watch the trapeze artists, right? Unbelievable how they go from one bar and they swing over. And it's that idea with your past here. To ever lay hold of your future, you are going to have to let go. It's the only way you can move on. You have to let go and you have to lay hold. You have to let go and you have to lay hold. And so what is it about our past that we need to let go of and lay hold of what God has for us? I think the first thing I'd mention to you is so often we are stuck in our past mistakes. We're stuck in our past mistakes. Mistakes often linger in our minds and our hearts. Events from yesterday shift our present day, never allowing us the freedom to fully move forward. Living under the weight of the should-haves is a heavy burden to carry. You have been there? This one's a big one for me. Why did I do that? What was I thinking? 
What was I thinking? How could you be so stupid to make that decision? And so often the weight of our past mistakes stay with us. We never, we struggle to break free from them. If I would have made this choice, this would have not happened. If I'd have just done this and this time, this, you know, and you can spend, we can spend, just be, we can become consumed by what if, or I should have, or because I did, they were affected, and we can be stuck in our past mistakes. Always defeated, always bound, always um, just uh, caught up in what could have been or what should be. Anybody else like that? Anybody else live there? Been stuck there before? Sometimes your, your past mistakes come back and you think about them. I've actually been driving down the road in my car and thought about some stupid choice I made and literally embarrassment comes over me and no one's even around. You ever had that? Turn red and you're like, what was I, what was I thinking? And so often it can become something that we become stuck in. We just can't break free from. But I want to remind you of something. This is what 1 John said. Here's, here's, the, here's the crux of the matter. If we confess our sins... This is the phrase, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, what Jesus did at the cross was so weighty. It was such a big deal. If you had a scale and you put his sacrifice and all of our sins, mistakes, failures, the scale would still be tipped this way. And because what he did was so unbelievably powerful and effective in God's eyes, our mistakes are about this big to God. And he is literally looking at us and saying, not a big deal. Don't need to spend the rest of your life beating yourself over that. I forgive you, and I can do something about this. Remember what the words of Psalm says? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Doesn't sound like he's calling us to be stuck in our fast mistakes. East to west, that's how far he removes it from us. Think about what Romans says. There is therefore, I'm, I'm doing King James probably, therefore there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Can you hear the words this morning? You're not supposed to continue to beat yourself up or be defeated by what you've done yesterday. He forgives he restores. Psalms tells us that he remembers our sins against us no longer. It's like I'm, not, I'm looking at you and thinking, Terry, I'm sorry, you happen to be in the front row. Sorry. And I'm thinking, man, I love her, but 
she did this, this, and this. I, I don't, yeah, I still love her. You know, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. You're not doing any of that. It's I love you. That's gone. And we should embrace that today. If you're struggling with being stuck in your past mistakes, guess what? You can't change what you did. But you can definitely change who you become, who you are. And you can realize that he doesn't hold it against you any longer. And that's exactly what you need is his forgiveness, his love, his grace to restore you from, redeem you from your past mistakes. Roy Regals was an all-American linebacker at Cal. In the 20s, 1927, 1928, I mean, Roy Regals was one of the, uh, he was like <clears throat> uh, who you wanted your son to grow up to be like. I mean, high character, high quality. Um, he was a good athlete too which maybe you don't care about your son being an athlete, I get that, but he was like, hey, he is, he's excelling at something, he's putting his time and his energy in. He's, he had a great season. In fact, he had such a great season that he led Cal to the 1928 Rose Bowl. And um, big deal back, the Rose Bowl was it really back then, and he led them there, and he's, you know, they're on a chance to do things that last a lifetime. And, and um, second quarter, Georgia Tech has the ball, the running back's running. He gets hit by one of Roy's teammates. He fumbles the football. Roy Williams happens to be right in the air, and he scoops it up. And he's about ready to take it back in this tight game, close game, close teams. He's going to make a huge difference. He's going to help them win the Rose Bowl. But for some reason, when he scooped it up and started to run, he got ran into, and he got turned around. And for whatever reason, Roy Regals can't ever explain it, that he just started running with the football and he thought he was going to score and all the while he was running toward his own end zone. It's one of his teammates realized what he's doing and takes off after him. He's one of the, I think, the defensive backs real fast and finally tackles his own teammate before he can run into his own end zone. This is the Rose Bowl, right? This is supposed to be the very best of what football has to offer. And here's wrong way Roy Regals getting tackled by his own teammate. Literally, it ended up being at the one-yard line. His team couldn't do anything with it. Georgia, State, Georgia Tech pushed him back, caused a safety, swung the game. He said Roy Regals was literally in the locker room at halftime just with his hands. This guy who had led them all the way. Huge mistake. In fact, we call him wrong way Roy Regals today, right? Some of you are like, I never heard of that guy. I didn't call him anything before today. <laughs> well, that's what I call him. That's what we <laughs> Wrong way Roy Regals. Now you know something, right? It said he was so discouraged, so upset, literally felt like couldn't go out in the second half. His teammates encouraged him, picked him up, patted him on the back, what teams should do? They say the second half Roy Regals played was one of the best halves of football anybody's ever played, ever, especially in the Rose Bowl. And you know what? Roy Regals took that moment, which could have been something that uh, marked him for the rest of his life, became his identity, and he used it to talk to people about mistakes. In fact, he spent years encouraging and inspiring, inspiring and motivating people because he did not allow a moment, a mistake of his life to define 
who he was going to become. I'm telling you, with the grace of Jesus Christ, what the cross offers us is a chance for us to not allow our mistakes to define who we are and who we become. There is forgiveness, there is love, there is grace. Until we, you know, I, we kind of give him that nickname, Roy Regals, but what everybody really knows about Roy Regals was, wow, look at how that guy bounced back from a huge mistake. And he helped people the rest of his life, the rest of his life. Stuck in your past mistakes is something that God offers forgiveness and redeems. The second thing is stuck in our past hurts. I spend a lot of time here, and I don't have time, but this is a big one, okay? A big one in your past hurts. I don't know all that's happened in this room to you. I don't know how you've been abused, how you've been hurt, how you've been betrayed, how you've been taken advantage of. But I do know that that becomes something that very easily causes us to become stuck in our past. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they, how they acted? Right? Abuse is rampant in our culture. All sorts of things, I know. And yet it can be something that absolutely consumes us until it's easy to become stuck in past hurts. Mistakes were things I did. Hurts are things people did to me, right? And we can get stuck there. Here's what I simply want to share with you this morning, very quickly, is the scriptures are full of this kind of stuff. Listen to this. Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, even as God in Christ, God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. It was Matthew chapter uh, 18. This is a big chapter on forgiveness and how to treat somebody who's harmed you. And in the middle of that, there's just this one question that that uh, Peter asked Jesus, he said, so how many times should I forgive somebody? Should I forgive them seven times? He was being really generous because in that culture there was a teaching that Jewish teachers taught. You forgive somebody three times, the fourth time you walk away from them. You don't forgive them again. So Paul, Peter's saying, okay, I'm gonna, really, I'm gonna look good. I'm gonna look like I'm the gracious guy. I'm gonna say, Jesus, we should probably forgive them seven times, Right? Everybody else says three, but I think we're, we're seven times people. So how did Jesus respond? <laughs> no, Peter, we're not seven times people. We're 70 times seven. Or the idea is, it's, we just forgive. And I would say that if you're stuck in your past hurts, that the way out of that is in this one word, Forgive. I know I'm talking about something that's a lot easier to talk words up here and live. This is one of the hardest things in the world. But it's the way out. It's the way to become unstuck. One, because of all the abuse that's happened to you or the things you've been betrayed or you've been cheated on and you've been lied to and you've been all that stuff, you've done that to the Heavenly Father. 
the one who created you, gifted you, shaped you, molded you, gave you everything you have, you've done that. And he graciously forgave you. And in other words, he says, listen, to break this whole cycle, the way it's broken, is to forgive. I love this this phrase, refusing to forgive, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You see what happens to us when we don't forgive? We just can't handle it. And we become words like resentful or bitter. Bitterness is like a cancer to our soul. It literally eats away who we are. Hebrews says this, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see what happens when we become bitter? We are, we're, we're ate up. We're, we are literally, we are, we are ravaged. We have no healthy life in us. But we also end up defiling many. We spread it like a disease. Our kids see it. And they, it's easy for them to become bitter. And it just spreads just like a virus everywhere. And the scriptures are saying, listen, to forgive is not to say, okay, no big deal. To forgive is to say, you know what? You were wrong. You did wrong me. I didn't deserve that. That hurt me. I, I, I don't know how close I can ever get to you or how much I ever want to talk to you. But I'm choosing to let it go and to forgive you for it. I'd ask you this question. How long do you intend to allow the person who's mistreated you to influence you? You see what happens is this monster does this to you. You should want to be as far away from him as possible, right? And yet, because you can't let it go and you just can't forgive it because God has forgiven you and they still influence your life. They're still in your life. This bad person is still in your life because you, won't, you can't push them out. Forgive. Or I would say this simply. Release the past. Release past hurts so the past can release you. Get you out of the prison that happens from bitterness and unforgiveness. Pardon others as God has pardoned you and decide they don't own you anymore. Stuck. The last thing I'd like to share with you is so often we're stuck in our past identity, right? Some of us, maybe it's a self-image, self-worth. You just tend to you have struggle in that area and you've created identity about yourself. Some of it's environment. It's you grew up and you just, because you maybe you did something stupid or you, uh, you, you did this or you acted that way, you kind of got an identity from people. It's nicknames and all that stuff, right? And You just carry around this identity and we get stuck in it. And we literally begin to put labels on us. Labels that... Uh, uh, it's like pen. It's hard to erase them out. It's who we kind of think we are and kind of who we identify with. I'm nothing more than a loser, honestly. I'm not really able to do that. Um, maybe it's, maybe, God forbid, it's been your parents that have, 
you know, I've, I've seen parents who have said stuff to their kids for years, and I just think, oh, God, do you realize that that's the identity they're assuming? And maybe that's you today. And you're like, I just feel like I'm not worth much, or I'm not able, I'm not capable, I'm not this, I'm not that. You have that label and that identity, and you get stuck in it. You don't see anything else, and you just don't really ever believe you'll ever do what you long to do or be who you want to be, or you're just stuck. And I would remind you that in Jesus Christ, he says things like, if any man is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. Go ahead. Second Corinthians chapter five. I love this. Remember Israel? Checkered past. A lot of mistakes. A lot of stuff. They're stuck in their past. Here's what he says to them. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn. Her salvation's like a blazing torch. The nations will see you vindicated and all kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name. You've been called slave. You've been called you know, the, the Jewish nation forever because you will not be called that anymore. The mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor, you, a royal diadem in your hand. No longer, and this is what I love, no longer will they call you deserted, and no longer will they call your land desolate. That's what was on their forehead, deserted desolate identity and he's saying listen what I do is I change all that and you don't have to be stuck in that think about scripture Abram Abraham you know his name was Abram and Abram was the guy who yeah he did some things for God but then he'd also get a little nervous when God wasn't coming through so he would take things into his own hands right You promised a son, I'm not seeing it, I'm getting older, okay, so I'm gonna do something about that and I'm gonna have Ishmael. Uh, God, I'm not sure if you can get me out of this tight spot, so I'm just gonna totally lie. Abram has some issues in his past, his identity, until he came to a point where God says, you're no longer Abraham, you're Abraham. Remember Jacob, Jacob, uh, this guy in the Old Testament, literally from the moment he came out, his, his name even meant heel grasper, deceiver. And you look all down through his, his past and you see him tricking and lying and deceiving and manipulating. He's the first con man, really, of the scriptures. Jacob, con. Remember that night, though, when he came to the end of himself. What am I going to do, God? I'm totally, this is who I am. And he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And from that moment on, his life was completely different. And the Lord said, what? You have been Jacob, and now I call you Israel. Remember Peter? God said, or Jesus said, your name is Simon. And it meant this, but you are going to be Peter. Rock. Remember Saul became Paul. God is in the identity-changing business. I'm telling you today, so many of us can be stuck in our past identities. This is who I am. This is what I've done. I'm just a failure. I'm a screw-up. We think that. We live that. And yet God is all the time saying, listen, if you're in Christ Jesus, those things are changed. They can be changed. And you don't have to be stuck. So the sentence for today is simply this. I become unstuck from my past how? When my failure's redeemed, my failure's redeemed. 
<laughs> when my hurt is released and when my identity is realized. Let's stand this morning and let's have a word of prayer. Father, I, I know I'm talking about things that are so relevant to us. And so often we can all have places in our life where we get stuck. And, and honestly, some of us, it might be we're stuck in our past. We can't get past it. We think about it too much. We agonize over it. It affects us emotionally. It, it causes us. And yet you're calling us to forget. Don't dwell on the past. And then you share in Scripture how we can get past our own mistakes and our own hurts, Father, and our own identity, Father. You're just calling us to a new life, and it comes through Jesus Christ. You're it. You're everything. That's why we're here, and you remind us even in this, in our past, you can cause us to not live there, not dwell there, to not be stuck there. So, Lord, speak to us today. Those who maybe would have to say, yeah, I'm, I'm living there too much. Lord, break them free because you said to stuck people, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set us free, God. Keep us from being stuck in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day.